Warning, this podcast contains mature themes from very immature people. Uh, Lauren, I, for the first time ever, met somebody on Tinder. I've never done it before, and I finally did it. Uh, I had only ever in my past met people from Hinge since I moved Mm. to the West Coast. Do you know what's interesting? Mm. Before... My preferred method of choice used to be Tinder. Ooh. Yeah. I met a lot of people through Tinder. Huh. But so far during the pandemic, it's just dried up for me. Is that a, that's a bad phrase to use in this context, <laughs> isn't it? Depends on how literal we're being. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I found that no one was actually answering any of my messages anymore. Uh... Yeah, I was like, I know I've kind of let myself go in the pandemic, but they don't know that. They're just seeing the old photos. Like, they, there's no reason <laughs> that this should be happening. <laughs> you have not let yourself go. The whole oh, world has sort of relaxed a little bit. And I think that's... Yes. I think that's fine. But in any case, I did uh, get drunk with one of my bubble buddies. <laughs> and we exchanged phones. To then look at each other's dating profiles. As you do. Yeah, you know. I sent a lot of messages to some of the people he was he was texting. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that was Did fun. Did you charm anyone? <laughs> uh, I doubt it. I, I very sincerely doubt it. Because I think all I was really doing was like, basically, hey, you up. So <laughs> it wasn't very charming. <laughs> He, however, took the opportunity to sign me up for Hinge. And that was a great, uh, a great move on his part. Because uh, now I've been talking to strangers on the internet again. And it's great. That, it's like so fun. That is great. I'm glad you're finding more success over there. Yeah. Oh, and an interesting thing. He set up my like looking for to be everyone. Mm-hmm. Which I usually on dating apps, if there was a way to be like anyone but straight men, I would choose that. (laughs) Um, But that's not really an option. So sometimes I just go with women. Um, But he set up to be everyone. And I discovered through that that I do actually have some types of guys that I am into. Well, yeah, I thought we knew that. Yeah, but it's still exciting to be like, okay, so I discovered the people that I'm into are mostly queer women, just blanket statement, any, any woman, very attractive, uh, trans people and non-binary people, very attractive. And then there's one slice of the straight male population and that's DJs. Oh no. (laughs) For some reason, I didn't expect wherever this was going to go to have any crossover with like Snooki's type. What's going on over there? I don't know. But there were three distinct individuals who their first photo was them on like a fucking mixer board or whatever the fuck they're called. And I was immediately like, Oh, hello. And that was a revelation to me. I 
don't know how to react to this. I, if I was going to like guess what was about to come out of your mouth, it would have been like <laughs> extremely androgynous men reading alone in public. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, the, I think my problem is I have fucked those guys and they disappoint you eventually. Or, or immediately. Very quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Welcome to Let's Get It On Film, the all things sex in film and TV podcast. We're your hosts, Kate and Lauren. Hi, Kate. Hi, Lauren. Hi. <laughs> oh, sh- shut your face. You always giggle so sweetly for me when I flirt. I get it. It's exciting. I love <laughs> doing a podcast with you. Fucking sue me, I guess. <laughs> I will, but not until we start making money off this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Something to look forward to. Um, so Lauren, I don't, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things and, um, indicators of good sex, uh, is laughing. Things are funny. They're silly. They're relaxed. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode in particular on this theme. Mm -hmm. Not that what's reflected in these media choices is necessarily uh, what you see in your real life of what makes mm-hmm. sex funny. But mm-hmm. I did, I did want to just talk about funny sex with you this week. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's something about kind of the endorphins and the rush of having sex that can make you just kind of giggly. Yeah. I would get like this sometimes where, um, I was with one person and and in sort of a lull in the activities when we were both just having a good time and kind of basking, uh, we discovered that uh, the condoms that I had in my drawer uh, were quite expired Ooh. <laughs> uh, because it had been a while since I had had uh, sex with someone with a penis. So we just kind of were cracking up. We just found it so funny that we had these grand ideas of what the night was going to be. And (laughs) suddenly we had to think a little bit differently, you know, Mm -hmm. that was very fun in our kind of like giddy kind of high, like emotional high state. That's good. And it forces you to be creative and kind of change plans and pivot. And, um, exactly. Figure out what other fun stuff you can do together that isn't P and V stuff, which is cool. exactly, yeah. But um, I know what you mean about kind of the uh, the giggly endorphin high. Very often, the first time somebody kisses me, I'll break out into giggles like I'm like a middle schooler, and I just can't help it. Um, and the previous date kissed me for the first time, and I promptly started giggling, and he was like, "Did I make you laugh?" Like, oh no. Except- <laughs> Except he's English, so he said, did I make you laugh? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just Uh, have the giggles. 
<laughs> oh, poor little posh boy. <laughs> Sex is fun. Like, I think sometimes our society gets too kind of caught up in thinking about it, that it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's a fun thing. It makes you feel good. And uh, yeah, you can have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think part of that might be the influence of movies where sex is so intense and so fast. Yeah. And so and so um, 10 seconds flat from pointed eye contact to penetration. And it just skips over the funny, weird, awkward reality of sex. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a very good point. I think uh, the way that we frame sex in media, for sure, is a lot more serious and like somber and and sometimes destructive and just like eh, is not what most people are doing no <laughs> so we have brought some sex scenes that are comedic that are maybe a little awkward maybe a little <laughs> weird <laughs> so i'm i'm excited to talk about them with you me too so, Lauren, this week I brought for you Trainwreck, mm. the 2015 American comedy written by Amy Schumer, directed mm-hmm. by Judd Apatow, who mm-hmm. you know from directing all kinds of broy comedies like The 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up, and he created um, the cult classic TV show Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. I think you would say you would say that he's a he's a master of the sex comedy. Of, yeah. of, the ma- of the modern age. Very much so. The two of them collaborated on this movie, and it's starring Amy Schumer and Bill Hader from SNL, mm-hmm. among other things, like his Golden Globe winning, nominated, can't remember, um, turn in Barry. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but the cast of this thing is ridiculously stacked for no discernible reason. <laughs> Okay, can I can I list who I remember from this film? Uh-huh. Is it John Cena? Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I really wanted to do that. Did a mariachi band just enter your office? Shut up! Shut up. You know what I was doing. I have no idea what you were doing. That's his opening thing. It's like, it's John Cena. That's his opening song when he wrestled. I'm sorry. Do you watch wrestling? Because I don't I watch don't. wrestling. It's a meme. <laughs> what the fuck? It's a I feel meme. like I don't even know you. Oh my God. Okay. okay. All right. So you've hit, got hit John Cena playing a doofus boyfriend for Amy in the beginning of the movie. Academy Award winner Brie Larson plays her sister. Oh, Mike Berbeglia plays her brother-in-law. Tilda Swinton plays her boss as a character who is so normal looking that it feels like drag for Tilda Swinton. <laughs> you've, got, you've got Ezra Miller as an overly enthusiastic intern at her place of work. You've got Daniel Radcliffe and Marissa Tomei, who are in this movie only to be in a fake movie within a movie scene. 
And Daniel Radcliffe plays a dog walker where he does have himself strapped to about a dozen dogs walking down the street in New York. And Marissa Tomei is this older woman whose dog he's going to walk. And they're sort of flirting, but talking about walking dogs. I don't know. Mm. It's like a weird black and white artsy movie within a movie scene. Um, Great. You've got LeBron James playing himself as oh, an yeah. overprotective best friend to Bill Hader. <laughs> you've got oh wow like dave attell just plays a homeless guy on the street vanessa bear uh, one of amy's co-workers randall park one of amy's co-workers like this cast is stacked it's so weird oh no yeah i don't know why i say oh no like it like it doesn't deserve it <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly it. The movie doesn't deserve this cast. It's yeah. like, okay, but not, it doesn't deserve this cast. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. I know. So, and it's like more than that, even. That's like an abridged list of the huge names in this movie for no reason. I forgot you reminded me that uh, Phil Hader's character is just, what, a sports medicine guy? Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's that's like his rom-com job is he's a sports medicine guy. So he's friends with LeBron James. Just best friends with LeBron James, as you do. Oh, God. Uh huh. So Trainwreck is about Amy, whose parents divorced when she was a kid. And she was heavily influenced by her father's cynical opinions on sex and romance. So mm -hmm. as an adult, she sleeps around a lot, has casual relationships with men that she doesn't like or respect, uh, consumes too many substances, is really mm -hmm. insecure, and she does not trust relationships at all, does not believe in love and romance. Um, and as title states, she's a little bit of a train wreck. It's not mm -hmm. maybe as bad as the title implies, or maybe I'm just turning into more of a train wreck the older I get. <laughs> Who knows? I think there's the opening scene for me is what really sort of set the stage. Uh, maybe not the opening scene, but isn't it that she's having sex with someone and then she realizes that she ended up on Staten Island? <laughs> Um, oh, that reminds me. Pete Davidson is also in this movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Staten Island. Speaking of. Um, first scene in the movie, she's sleeping with a guy and she is um, she's putting on an act and she goes, oh, my God, I never do this. This is so weird for me. <laughs> and then, you know, they're making out and they're undressing and she climbs in bed with him. And then she shoves his head down and goes, will you just just do this so that I feel more comfortable with you. And she shoves his head down and he goes down on her and she very, very quickly and making a weird face comes and then promptly starts snoring and pretending to be asleep so that she doesn't have to have <laughs> intercourse with him. Um, mm. And then, and then wakes up totally hungover in the morning and is like, where am I? And of course the horror story answer is Staten Island. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but really, the gag here is that he's this really earnest guy who has gotten up early and made her breakfast and invites her to come to a family barbecue with him the next weekend and is like, I like you. You're great. Even though she was like, go down on me and then I'm going to pretend to be asleep. <laughs> like this guy is like actually pretty sweet. She wakes up in his sort of like dorm room looking bedroom with like a fucking Scarface poster on the wall and is like, <laughs> oh, no, 
but like he's a sweet guy and she's not that nice to him. <laughs> mm. So that's Amy. Uh, she has this job as a magazine reporter and she gets tasked with writing an article about this high profile sports medicine doctor surgeon guy played by Bill Hader, um, mm-hmm. who shows her the meaning of love. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He, he does. I, I mean, eventually, right? The, they have to fill, what, 90 minutes? Two hours? Yeah, they, they fill a lot of time. Um, but essentially, mm-hmm. he's this guy who kind of like sticks it out through the bullshit and helps her see that, you know, she's worthy of love and that she can have meaningful relationships. Maybe I'm getting old because I'm kind of like, oh, why bother? <laughs> I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm kind of like, there are other fish in the sea. You could probably find someone who's already done the work, you know? But that's, <laughs> hey, that's why I'm alone and not starring in a rom com. I guess that's true. Um, so I don't love this movie i think it leans mm-hmm. unnecessarily hard into racial tension as uh amy Schumer yeah. is sort of known for uh yeah parts of it are parts of it are really funny and it does have this incredible cast <laughs> yeah no i remember it. i remember it being uh a pretty enjoyable experience uh it surprisingly like made her kind of charming like i don't really like Amy Schumer as a comedian, but I thought she gave a more sympathetic performance in this than I was expecting, you know? I would agree with that. Um, This movie was better than I think anyone expected it to be, and it kind of made Mm -hmm. Amy Schumer blow up for a minute there. Yeah. So the scene that I want to talk about actually has nothing to do with Bill Hader's character. (laughs) I had a feeling when you mentioned the movie, what scene we were talking about Mm -hmm. so near the beginning of the movie before amy meets bill Hader's character aaron she is um dating steven who's played by john cena and Mm -hmm. they are in bed and she asks him to mix things up and talk dirty to her in bed Uh, and he absolutely cannot pull it off he's really Mm -hmm. insecure and he doesn't want to do it but she convinces him to try. <laughs> mm-hmm. So allow me to send you the scene to relive it. Yes. Kate. Yes, Lauren. Fudge ripple ice cream. I know. The best exclamation in a Judd Apatow movie besides, wow, Kelly Clarkson when Steve Carell's getting his <laughs> chest waxed in Four Year Old Virgin. <laughs> yeah oh my god okay all right so let's talk about it let's talk about it so um the scene features john cena on top of amy uh he's just kind of thrusting away the whole time saying increasingly weird things while she tries to steer him towards sexy topics um he says a bunch of horrifying stuff like I'm going to give you my full pecker and I'm going to fill you with protein. going to give you the protein you need to survive on making muscles. Mm-hmm. And Beta she, carotene. Give me my green juice. <laughs> she, uh, 
she tries to redirect him to something sexier. And so then he goes into sports slogans like there's no I in team, but there's an I in win. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the while he's thrusting away on top of her. Um and then he starts hitting her with his Mandarin Chinese one-on-one skills, saying right. things like, right. do you need to go to the bathroom? Right. Uh, right. And so finally, she patiently gives him the um, the specific instruction. Talk about the first time you saw me. Mm. Should be safe territory, right? Should be. Should be. So he talks about seeing her walk out of a pizza place carrying a box and how she was wearing jeans and looked so good from behind. And then he says, mm-hmm. from behind, you look like a dude. And then promptly comes, then very, comes. very hard for a comically long period of time. So long. <laughs> During which he lays on top of her, twitching and thrusting and telling her not to move a muscle. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then, of course, concludes with the exclamation, fudge ripple ice cream, which is amazing. <laughs> and then he comes some more. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. For some reason, I remembered the gist of the scene, but the specifics still caught me off guard. <laughs> For one thing, he's completely naked and she's wearing like a white tank top because I guess... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to show her tits in that scene. <laughs> He's just thrusting away and being all bulgy and John Cena like. <laughs> and he's just uh. failing utterly. And I remembered the failing. I didn't remember how many times and in how many different varieties, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a lot. The <laughs> the overall joke is dumb. The joke is that he's gay, right? Um, mm-hmm. In a yeah. in a later scene, we see him trying to threaten a guy in a movie theater by telling him he's gonna lick his ass, and then oh right, yes, yeah, <laughs> and then to meet him outside, and if you can't find him, he'll be the closest guy on Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a uh, this is all tracking. So it's a it's a really dumb joke, but it it plays it plays pretty funny for shock value in this scene. In this scene, yeah, I forgot uh-huh. it entirely, and it made me gasp. Uh huh. <laughs> um, so I what I like about this scene is, I mean, first mm-hmm. of all, it's funny. It's really funny. It's effectively funny. It does what it's supposed to do, which is be be awkward and weird and comical and sort of uh, evidence to prove that Amy is dating men who she's not interested in who are not worth her time (laughs) Mm -hmm. who she doesn't really like yeah but again like you said before it's a scene where he's completely naked and on display and she's mostly covered which i think is an interesting Mm -hmm. choice sort of a reversal from what we often see yes and they do this interesting thing where you've got a switching point of view where you're kind of mm-hmm. going from Amy's point of view to Steven's point of view, looking like up and down at each other. This isn't cut like a normal sex scene. This is cut like a dialogue scene. You yes. know, person A, person B. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is It is a funny um, visual vehicle for a dialogue scene. <laughs> yeah. It works very well, though. It does. It's... It's really funny and it's really effective, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, there's, 
there's not that much to dissect here. It's very yeah, surface level. Yeah, I was level. thinking that just now. <laughs> I was thinking, like, <laughs> I don't really know what to say about it. <laughs> but uh, it's it's fun. I mean, I think part, we're going to come up against the problem of it's funny and you don't really want to dissect funny. Yeah, you don't want to beat the joke to death is the problem because then it's not yeah. funny anymore. Um which is fine. It's a, uh, you know, it's very, it's classic cinema. It's really boring editing. There's nothing outstanding about the way it looks or mm-hmm. the way it sounds or the way it's framed. And that's fine. It's a Judd Apatow movie, right? It's not yeah. an art. It's not an art piece, but it, it achieves its goals. I think it's quite funny. That said, it's a scene where we see a woman having sex with a man and not enjoying it at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Clearly Mm -hmm. like he's thrust in a way and has a good time and comes and she just kind of lays there and is like, "Mm, yep, this is happening to me, (laughs) which is unfortunate. Yeah. But I would also say, I don't know that he's having such a great time. I mean, he comes eventually, but he like really comes though. He She'd does really, really, really come. <laughs> but there's that thing where she's asking him to do something outside of his comfort zone. And he's like, I'm not going to be good at this. He tries it. He's not good at it. And he is like getting frustrated, clearly. And she's getting frustrated. So it's like, I don't know that he's necessarily having a great time throughout. You know what I mean? That's fair. Um, another thing that I do appreciate about it is that Amy has a lot of agency and she's kind of directing what's happening. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. She's saying, here's a thing that I want and here's how we're going to achieve it. And he's sort of willing mm-hmm. to go with her on it as a, mm-hmm. you know, reasonably, reasonably respectful partner, I guess. Right. They're not yeah. ultimately a good match, but he's, he's game to try something that she wants to try in bed, which we love to see. Um, yeah. And he tries to do what she wants, even though it's not necessarily his bag which is good. I think you're right. I, I don't know quite what else to say about it. I think you're right. It's interesting. Uh, you know what I kind of did? I went and I paused on the widest shot, which comes near the end where he's in the middle of this extremely long uh, nut. <laughs> and I was just kind of looking to see what the set design was. Because mm-hmm. I'm struggling really to find anything too artistically interesting. Um, (laughs) Just being honest, it's very Judd Apatow. It's like, it's trying so hard to be normal. Like it's got beige curtains and kind of squarish lamps, you know, Navy sheet. It's, it's trying so hard to be normal. Uh, The one thing that's kind of interesting is the uh, array of empty bottles immediately behind their heads. Oh, I didn't. Hold on. I'm going to go back on that. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a lot of booze bottles. You're right. Yeah. That is the one sort of set design that's like indicating anything character driven, you know, like Mm -hmm. everything else is very like (laughs) the middle of the road. But that is a character detail there. Yeah, that's true. It's funny that you noticed that because I'm in that part so distracted by the fact that John Cena is coming so hard that he's kicking his foot up and down. 
That's well, why yeah. they they go wide because he's coming so hard that he's kicking his foot up and down and they need to show his whole body. You mean when you see this, you don't notice the beige curtains? <laughs> that isn't what you look. Oh, OK. It's almost like a schlubby straight dude directed this movie. Can you believe it? Yeah. I mean, all my love and respect to Judd Apatow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he cast John Cena, who is so not my type. I mean, it, no, he's a he's a he's, masculine fantasy of masculinity. He's not yeah. any woman's type. No, he's yeah, like and certainly not mine. Maybe, maybe a man's type because again, it's a masculine fantasy of masculinity clearly playing yeah. out there, which is interesting enough to talk about. But yeah, yeah, he's got a nice butt. He has a nice. But honestly, Bill Hader's way more my type than John Cena is I also. I know. Not that Bill Hader is particularly my type. In fact, I think my favorite Bill Hader performance might be as the gay twin brother in the Skeleton Twins. Oh, yeah. He's incredible in that. He's really great in the Skeleton Twins. So he's not like a <laughs> not like a real sex symbol for me, but I would mm-hmm. absolutely go there before I'd go Cena. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's uh, a good display between them of sort of like maybe what men think women want and what women tend to actually want, which is just someone who has a stable job and is kind. Uh huh. And then Amy Schumer, I appreciate for being like relatively normal looking. And this is a joke she kind of yeah. makes on herself a lot of um yeah i don't like that about her comedy yeah she's like from from the time she was on i think she was on well like last comic standing or something a million years ago and she made this joke then that was like i know i know you'd fuck me but you wouldn't brag about it (laughs) like that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of her brand um but i appreciate that about her being a person who's willing to like be in her underwear in a movie and say, yeah, I can be a romantic lead. I'm normal looking. I'm fit, but not super skinny. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty, but not model gorgeous. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stable, but not, (laughs) not without issues. And so that i like about Amy Schumer and her characters. Um, she does kind of bash you over the head with thinking she's not pretty enough, which is maybe not great. Yeah. That gets on my nerves. But in a way that she kind of subverts by being willing to be in her underwear in a sex scene or yeah, or be cast as the lead in a movie that she wrote, the romantic lead in a movie. You know what I mean? So right. I do like that. She's good representation for us normal bitches. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. You're model gorgeous and super skinny and also without <laughs> problems. You're right. <laughs> oh, so funny. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think that's a good point. You've you've made excellent points in the offering <laughs> that you've uh, you've made today. Uh, thank you. Should we um, stop for a second and give this thing a rating? I think we ought to. I don't really know how to go about it because it feels like there isn't too much to unpack. No, but, not, uh, not a whole lot. I've got a few thoughts, though. So uh, stop with me for a second while we break this down and rate it one through five. 
So the S is soundtrack, which mm-hmm. I'm going to give a three because you might watch it and think that didn't have a soundtrack. But in fact, I did very faintly playing in the background is She's a Mystery to Me by Roy Orbison. <gasps> Oh, (laughs) you can barely hear it because the point is, of course, the silly dialogue between Amy and Stephen. And it's effective because it's a really funny, subtle joke because Stephen clearly has no idea what Amy wants. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. I I literally did not hear anything. Mm -hmm. So that's great that you found that out. And you've is it is it a good standalone song? I don't know the song. It's it's an okay song. It's not a super fuck jam, um, but it mm. is. But it is a really subtle gag in a movie with a lot of obvious gags. So I give it yeah. points. I give it points for that. Okay. So I'll give it a three. <laughs> uh, timing. I'm also giving a three. It's three full minutes, which you might not think watching it because it does go by really quickly. Because I think it's effectively mm-hmm. used three minutes, and it only drags in the moments where it's intentionally dragging for comedic effect. So I think they do a really nice job with the timing. Uh, often you'd think three full minutes of a of a movie scene is a little long unless something really intense is happening. Because mm-hmm. that would be about three pages of script, which is a lot mm-hmm. for a sex scene. But I think they do a good job with it. They they have that dialogue to a point where basically every line of it is making you laugh. Yeah. So I think it's pretty good. Yeah. And I think you're right in, in that it drags intentionally where we see like Amy's face of discomfort and kind of like, oh, did he did he just say green juice? And <laughs> like that works very well with some time to breathe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you're I think you're right. That that works. That works well for me. Yeah. Um, next up is authenticity, which I'm also giving a three, which seems silly, but dirty talk is hard. And yeah, yeah, it's also I don't know if you've had this experience, but in my experience, it's really hard to get men to talk in bed. Mm-hmm. I have slept with numerous men who are like dead silent in bed which is not great for me and i have a (laughs) i have one situation that i often point to because it makes me laugh in hindsight but at the time it was so weird where Mm -hmm. i'm dying to know i was sleeping with this guy i was sleeping with i don't know i'm being euphemistic i was having sex with this guy and i told him yeah i told him to talk to me so i wouldn't feel insecure because he was being really quiet and it was making me Mm -hmm. feel insecure and what i was Mm -hmm. looking for was a little dirty talk or a little yeah just like that a little constructive criticism anything but when i was like hey come on talk to me what happened is he looked up at me and said this is so dope like three times. <laughs> you know what I you know what that you know what I hear? It's like, oh bro, this pussy's tight. <laughs> like, oh, you've got a dope pussy, bro. Like that would have been better. Oh my but god. Literally, he was just like, this is so dope. <laughs> I was oh like, my God. So Honestly, I think it's relatively authentic because of that reason. Uh, 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 wow. I mean, I can't, I'm, 
I feel like I can't say anything in response to that uh, overwhelming evidence that you've just presented. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, H is for heat, which I'm yes. giving a one. It's not hot at all. It's not hot. Not it's, at all. It's not, it's not meant to be. No, it's not supposed to be hot at all. It's supposed to be awkward and mission accomplished. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, not, not too much to say. Uh, we've already discussed. We don't find either of them particularly attractive and they're not doing anything really sexy. The dialogue isn't meant to be sexy. It's just funny, which yep. isn't hot. So there it is. There it is. Job well done, Judd Apatow. <laughs> uh, and P is for production value, which I'm given mm-hmm. a three. Like, it's fine. I appreciate that switching point of view thing. Um, but again, like you said, it's edited like a conversation. It's edited like any other scene of dialogue between two characters, which I mm-hmm. think is good because that makes it funnier and more awkward and less sexy. But the rest of it is really basic. Yeah, I agree. There's nothing really that catches my eye of like, oh, that's particularly well done or, oh, that's particularly not well done. So <laughs> middle of the road seems fair. Yeah, I I knew I knew as soon. I mean, maybe I'm not giving this scene enough credit because I knew as soon as you said the title, what scene it had to be. So clearly it had a lasting impression on me. I I must have remembered it as being very funny. Yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly it. The shock value of the, oh, you look like a dude from behind <laughs> is. Yeah. 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 Is what does it. It's really it's really effective. It's a laugh out loud moment, even if the basis for the gag is kind of overdone yeah. and whatever else, you know, again, it's all really basic. But um, mm-hmm. but it it is in that moment, it's pretty shocking and laugh out loud funny yeah. to have someone yeah. say, you look like a dude from behind, and then none. And then immediately come, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was Trainwreck. That was my offering for the week. Uh, what did you bring for me? So, Kate, I have brought you a scene from the pilot of Bonding. Oh, Bonding. Bonding is a little show on Netflix. It uh, came out in 2019, season one. It recently had season two come out. uh, Very recently, I think just a few months ago. It's an interesting show. Uh, It is based on the real-life experiences of creator Ryder Doyle. And guess what, Kate? What? I looked up how to pronounce his name. Oh, I'm proud of you. Well, because it's like, right? Or... Writer, but it's like you have to say it like it's the profession, like writer. Mm. It's like writer, not writer. <laughs> so it is based on his real life experience as a young man who came to New York City and helped out his best friend from home in her new profession of becoming a dominatrix. Ooh, we love it. We love to see it. Uh, he has a quote. Uh, That really, I think, sums up the show as a whole. That says, uh, as a young gay man still struggling with my own sexuality, guarding a door while one of my best friends from home 
tied a naked man to a four-poster bed and whipped him was jarring to say the least. <laughs> but to my surprise, it eventually freed me of many of my own sexual hangups. Hmm. So that's kind of the show's uh, like logline in a in a nutshell. There, got it. So the show stars uh, Zoe. Oh fuck! Damn it, Lauren. Zoe Levin, not Levine, because it doesn't have an e at the end. Zoe Levin as Tiff, the uh, dominatrix friend, and uh, Brendan Scannell as Pete, the uh, gay man who is sort of the the audience surrogate and. Well, he's not exactly the main character because it is split between the two of them, but he's the one that is based on Ryder Doyle. Mm -hmm. So the first season was shot in just 20 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the episodes are about 15 minutes long. Huh. The first season is very bingeable. It's, it's, more, like, it's more like a web series. Yeah. That which was... seems weird to say of Netflix. That was going to be my question if it was a web series that got picked up for distribution by Netflix. I believe that was probably the idea. Or maybe it was going to be more of a 22 minute, you know, episode sitcom and they just kept cutting it down. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. So this show is kind of in this new wave of TV that I'm seeing that is queer themed, kind of sexy, very witty well-produced, like beautiful to look at. And I think of this as a new category of emerging television with this and uh, Feel Good, which is another, another show I'm enjoying very much. So bonding, 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 bonding. <laughs> season one, season one uh, did provoke some controversy because of its uh, portrayal of the BDSM community. Because it was portraying the BDSM community or because of its portrayal of the BDSM community? Good clarification point. Because uh, of how it was portraying the BDSM community. In the show, the main character, Pete, is kind of thrust into this situation where he has to follow Tiff along on her uh, excursions with these clients where she works under the name Mistress May. <laughs> while she professes to be one of the best dominatrix in the business, she's very clearly not. She doesn't really understand too much of the issues of consent, especially in her relationship with Pete. Ah. She's, she's constantly sort of pushing the boundaries of this friendship that she has with Pete, which is the backbone of season one and really the show as a whole. But yeah, so there, the, there was some controversy. Uh, I, think, I think because it is a comedy, it was interpreted to be kind of making light of some of the fetishes that, that it portrays. I understand why, why people in the community didn't necessarily like it. But I think it, it, was, it has an overall well-intention, which I think gets picked up on in season two more than season one. Is it like sometimes not a respectful teasing of these things? Is it sometimes a little bit actively making fun of people who engage in a BDSM lifestyle? Uh, I don't think the show intends that. I think where there's controversy is whether people interpreted it as uh, harsh teasing rather than playful teasing. Hmm. So uh, I have one quote from uh, a member of the community, Mistress Sinful Pleasure, 
who said, uh, I understand how this show is loosely based on a personal experience, but it does cast a bad shadow and stigma on professional domination. Uh, for instance, there's also criticisms that it doesn't portray what the reality of working as a dominatrix is like, specifically the effect of the SESTA-FOSTA bill. In the show, Mistress May has a Twitter account. And if you're not aware, that is something that professional dominatrixes and sex workers in general frequently have their accounts shut down because of the limits on their ability to promote. Does being a dominatrix really count as something you could get arrested for if you're not like, I am being paid for my services to have sex with you? All I know is that domination is treated as a form of sex work, even if sex is not happening between the two parties. Is that on an intellectual level or on a legal level? Or do you not know? I don't really like, I know. know. I, I know you would talk about a person who's a dominatrix as a sex worker, but could they be arrested for like spanking someone <laughs> rather than having sex with them and getting paid for it? It might have to do with like the way that they get paid. It's not something that like falls under like a shop, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's I think it's one of those gray areas where uh, it's not very clear. I love uh, that kind of issue. I don't know if you're into that sort of thing. And so I'm kind of trying to <laughs> question you about that in the same way, like <laughs> sex work. Yeah, I feel very unprepared. Brick and mortar spaces. No, I'm sorry. I'm hitting you with a really like with a really weird angle for a slutty <laughs> comedy podcast. I'm hitting you. I'm hitting you with a weird question. <laughs> so anyway, go no. on. <laughs> Um, but anyway so adding to the adding to sort of the issue of season one and the reasons why it was criticized um although they did consult with members of the community uh most of the people who were involved in making the show didn't really know much about bdsm for instance the dominatrix actress zoe levin says that she came onto the project without knowing anything about what dominatrix uh dominatrixing Hmm. Dominating. Yes. <laughs> Dominatrices. What's the plural of dominatrix? <laughs> <laughs> I like to think it's dominatrices. <laughs> I like that too. That sounds awesome. But what I think bonding did really well was they took the criticism and instead of like, you know, doubling down and being like, well, this was my experience, blah, 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 blah. They hired a BDSM and intimacy coordinator who makes the point that like bondage uh, is a part of BDSM, but more important is like consent. But so the scene that I want to talk to you is not from the reformed season two. <laughs> it is from season one where we see uh, Pete is thrust into uh, the BDSM scene for the first time. And he does not understand how to comport himself. <laughs> uh, he, he decides before they go in that he wants to have a cool, like, dominatrix name, too. So he says his name is going to be Carter. <laughs> right? Right? That's the correct reaction. Yeah, I just imagine that he thinks of Jimmy Carter as, like, <laughs> the peak of, of edgy sexuality. <laughs> Yeah. His, his, his ode to Jimmy Carter. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
obviously the sexiest president. Obviously. So in this <laughs> scene, uh, Tiff and Pete, who are also known as Mistress May and Carter, uh, have kidnapped a client, kidnapped, quote unquote, uh, and taken him to a undisclosed location. Uh, and that is the setup for this uh, scene. Can we really quickly circle back on quote unquote kidnapped as like part of a scene oh. he was he was fake kidnapped yeah. to be uh fake abused by his dominatrix? Yes. They it they okay. do a very cute little scene where uh he's walking down the street and they are walking on the opposite direction and they like just grab him and put him in the trunk of a car. And he's yeah. clearly loving it. <laughs> uh yeah. So that is the scene that I will send to you. All right. Sweet baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was funny. That's funny, right? <laughs> so uh, uh, to walk through the scene for our listeners, uh, if you can pull yourself together. I really can't. I need a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good scene. It's a, it's a funny show. It's like I'm willing to forgive a lot from this show in terms of accuracy because it is very, very funny. Uh, yeah, that was that was a lot. Um, somehow, mm -hmm. I'm like laughing a lot, but I'm like, that was kind of more intense and weird than it was funny, but it, it kind of was really funny, but more I'm just like, mm -hmm. I'm just very caught off guard by it, I think. Yeah, it's offbeat for sure. It's It's not traditionally funny, and there's a lot of like emotional tension running through the scene. So let, let me let me give a summary. So Mistress May and Carter have kidnapped their client, Fred. His name is Fred, <laughs> who is so obviously turned on by the idea that he's in the middle of the country, uh, in spite of a gruff voice from outside yelling, this is New York. <laughs> and Carter does a little call to try and keep keep up the illusion, I guess. <laughs> Very fun. So Carter, this being his first foray into BDSM, uh, finds Fred and the experience gross. And, and May tells him to change into, I guess, his dominatrix outfit, which is a leather cap and a harness. Mm -hmm. his, his cute little leather twink outfit. He's very, oh my God, it's such a, it's such a running thing that he is such a twink. <laughs> so we cut to Fred on this table with his wrists and his neck bound, uh, as Mistress May has a, a crop that she's kind of like teasing him with. Um, and she asks if he's been bad. And what does he say? What? Like, I've been, I've been bad like Isis or as bad as Isis or something? Isis bad. Isis bad, yeah. Isis bad, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was just so much after that. <laughs> it was... <laughs> I thought that would have stuck with you more. <laughs> I was more caught up on the Flintstones characters. <laughs> yes. So his safe word is Barney Rubble. And apparently they go through all of the Flintstone characters sort of teasing himself with possibly saying his safe word, um, which I don't know if that's a thing. I, I've never really encountered that idea before of saying something similar to your safe word as a like taunt it's yourself. A, it's almost like traffic lights it's almost like mm -hmm. he's yellowing <laughs> yeah instead of redding by by saying other flintstones characters <laughs> yeah traffic lights are a great a great way to put it but it's it's kind of like they're using him saying like 
Dino or Bam Bam to be like, oh, I'm so into it, which I don't know. We'll get into (laughs) accuracy in a bit. So as May is sort of like teasing him, she she mentions his tiny dick. uh, And we learn that Fred is into small penis humiliation. Uh Uh-huh. He's clearly got a a humiliation kink. Mm Mm-hmm. Very much so. Carter tries to stifle a laugh and Fred hears it and has this realization of like, oh, I think I like it. (laughs) And asks if Carter can mock his tiny dick, which Carter doesn't want to do. Doesn't doesn't want to participate. Doesn't want to participate. It's almost like there's there's a line there, a boundary that he's like, he can stand there and make sure that she's safe, but he doesn't want to be involved. May is trying to convince him and he mockingly says like, no means no, uh, which gets at some of the issues, uh, the criticisms of this show in that it doesn't portray consent in just sort of the platonic relationship to the extent that consent is considered sacred in the BDSM community. Mm-hmm. He's making a joke out of no means no instead of, well, half, half making a joke and half kind mm-hmm. of trying to establish his own boundaries. Yeah. Which is not listened to. Yeah. Because May then goes on to reveal that uh, this character, Pete, in his real life, really needs the money from this job because his parents have cut him off and he's too hesitant or stage. Is the term stage frightened? He has stage fright. Uh, He's too hesitant to perform stand-up comedy. So she gives this great, great line where she says, so Carter will speak on this dick like he's giving a fucking TED talk or he can take his ass back to Georgia where it belongs. (laughs) Amazing. Spectacular line. Amazing. And as they're bickering, uh, Fred somehow slips from the table and like chokes himself a little bit and safe words. Uh, Both of them... To their credit, like once they realize what's happened, they put their fight aside and go and check to make sure he's okay. In response to their kind of bickering, Fred asks if they're a couple. May says that Carter's gay and he gives another great line that's like, that's my information to share, (laughs) which is very fun. But also as fun as it is, still getting to this issue of consent in their Mm -hmm. friendship. Yeah. So somehow Fred is still horny (laughs) and he... He asks if that means because he's gay, Carter has seen a lot of penises and if his is the smallest he's ever seen. (laughs) And there's a great shot where we see Carter visibly deciding to give in. And once he gives in, he he dives all the way in and he seems to really enjoy humiliating this guy. I mean, he's testing out material. He's fully roasting Fred's dick. Yes. It's amazing. Uh, My favorite lines are, uh, I've seen more meat in a vegan market. (laughs) Is that a Pulitzer? Because it's a raisin in the sun. (laughs) For some reason, that's hilarious to me. Um, And you pointed out your favorite line, which was the last one. Mm-hmm. I've lost it already. I've seen bigger dicks oh in a God. dike bar. What? I've seen bigger dicks in a dike bar without my contacts in. Yes, that. <laughs> and so as Carter's kind of reveling in his ability to use comedy and like, you know, be funny and, and have an appreciative audience, uh, Fred shows just how appreciative he is by uh, coming right into his face. Yes, he impressive force he starts jacking off while he's being roasted yes and we get that that shocking cum shot 
facial, which is just so, so funny because it's so gross and unexpected. It's gross and unexpected and like very nearly straight at his eye, which is dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. You could go blind. Well, I was thinking more like you could get HIV, but yeah, I guess you could go blind too. (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess I didn't take it to an AIDS place, but sure. You know what, Lauren? What is a podcast (laughs) with us if you're not talking about AIDS? (laughs) That's very fair. Anyway, so that's the scene. And yeah, I want I want to get your impression. What what do you think? Well, I mean, first of all, it's really beautifully edited through the abduction sequence, which I really appreciated. That was just these really, really quick cuts that really gave it a, an interesting, playful tone, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's got a really quirky tone to it, which I wasn't expecting, yes. which is good. Yes, very quirky. It's only like barely a sex scene in that well someone gets cum on their face right but what you see is him being teased with a crop and then basically falling off the table and then jacking off while he gets roasted and accidentally blowing a load on someone's face who wasn't even participating in the scene actively until he started talking (laughs) so not really a sex scene it is Really nice looking. It's got this beautiful blue tone to the whole thing in the warehouse where or wherever, whatever nondescript location they are in. Yeah. And it makes the like blacks of their <laughs> leather outfits uh, or whatever. I, I don't know what kind of corset she's wearing, um, <laughs> but it makes the black really pop and their skin be like glowing. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, beautiful looking. Yeah, yeah. And she's got this dark lipstick on that just looks black along with everything else. It's so tinted blue that it's almost got a black and white quality about it. Yeah, I, I, I really like that. I really like the high contrast. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it really is beautiful. I was just looking up who the cinematographer was. Nate Hertzellers. He was the cinematographer, the DP. Um and so we have him to thank for a lot of the look of this show. Mm. Do we know him from anything else? Uh, oh, I used to go here. I remember that. Uh, a lot of things I don't really know. Mm. An up-and-comer, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're right in that it's not, it's not your traditional sex scene uh, for a few reasons. But I chose it because of... A few reasons also. I think it's interesting to have uh, portrayals of sex work, even if if BDSM, dominatrix... I keep saying dominatrix-ing, and that's not correct. <laughs> Dominating. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, conventionally it is sex work. So that's interesting. You know, a lot of love scenes in film and TV are between partners and not uh, for money. So I think it's interesting to explore that. It's funny to use that term love scene about a guy getting roasted while he jacks off. (laughs) Well, yes. Uh, Not that you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Well, something I did want to talk about was this topic of the small penis humiliation kink, which is the the main crux of the scene uh, hinges on the fact that he's joking. He's making these jokes about how tiny this dick is. And I, I looked up some things about small penis humiliation. 
um, just to learn more about it. Please tell me something you learned about small penis humiliation. Okay. First thing, it has no correlation to the actual size of someone's penis. In fact, quite often, it can be a very large kind of men who feel intimidating, who want to be belittled in this way. Do you know what I mean? Like you kind of want what you don't have necessarily. So just because someone's into small penis humiliation doesn't mean they have a small penis. Yeah. I think very often the case with BDSM is sort of a role reversal from what you have to deal with in your day-to-day life. So for example, people with a lot of authority over other people want to be sort of controlled by someone else. And so in the Mm -hmm. same, in the same vein, maybe somebody with a huge dick wants to pretend for a second that they have a very tiny dick. Yeah. I saw a beautiful um, description of it. Let's see if I can remember any of it. Um, Where someone was describing the power inherent in taking an anxiety, like the feeling of being humiliated and turning it into desire. It was like it gave him a sense of power to take this thing that was an insecurity or something that would traditionally make someone feel bad and have control over it and request it done to him, that that really helped him like take ownership, I think, of his feelings. And I thought that was really insightful. Mm. Right? Yeah. Learn new things. (laughs) The Um, more you know. The more you know. You have a lovely falsetto, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So I just think it's, I just think it's funny. It's a, it's a fun excuse to have this wannabe stand-up comedian character trying some, some fun witty dialogue about how tiny this man's penis is. That's really the crux of the scene. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. It's um, well, you get the two sides of it, right? So you get, his point of view as a person who hires a sex worker to explore this kink. And then you get um, Carter, who's kind of, you know, representative of the audience member who gets his little giggle about it Mm -hmm. and kind of watching from the outside until he gets roped into it and finds himself really enjoying participating, which is maybe more about his personal interest in stand-up comedy than it is about the actual BDSM of it. But Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's an interesting way to play it as this person who's kind of experiencing it for the first time from the outside and then finding himself into it, yeah. not sexually yeah. into it, but sort of maybe intellectually into it. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely, he's feeling some gratification. I think what he's really feeling is he has an audience and he hasn't yes. really had that before. A captive audience. <laughs> <But I'm laughs> uh, okay, so should we stop? Stop. How would you rate it? Mm, stop. Okay. Uh, so soundtrack. I love the soundtrack throughout this series. This, the soundtrack is by composer Adam Crystal. Uh, it's a very classical I found that he uh, had scored like ballet performances, which made a lot of sense. When I work on commercials, there's a tone that everyone asks for, which is like inspiring. (laughs) And I think this this manages to be a genuinely good version of that. 
So I do really like the soundtrack. I think I figured out what this specific sound uh, or, or what this specific track is. He put out all the songs from Bonding on Spotify, and it is Kidnap uh, La Folia <laughs> in parentheses. I honestly, I wrote down three. I'm changing it to four. No, I wrote, I remember why I wrote down three. I wrote down three because it only really, it only really comes up when they're initially kidnapping him. And then at the end where he's roast being roasted. So throughout most of the scene of this, like three and a half minute scene that I've shown you, it is silent. So that's why I gave it a three. But when the music comes in, I love it. So is this love folia like Vivaldi? Uh, don't think so. <laughs> Why? Why La, would you say that? Because La Folia is a Vivaldi piece. Oh, Adam Crystal, have you stolen from Vivaldi? <laughs> stop time. Um, don't stop time. Uh, time <laughs> is number two on the acronym and it is a four for me um because it's sort of portioned into i'd say like three like the scene itself is kind of in three acts where you get the introduction to the world where carter is like going through this bag and finds a giant dildo (laughs) and is kind of like what's going on uh then you have the the act two i guess where they're at the table and uh, Fred is sort of trying to get what he's after of this humiliation play. And May's trying to give it to him. Carter is trying not to be involved. And there's a struggle between these characters' desires. And then Act 3, where there's kind of this low moment where it seems like Fred might almost choke. And then this kind of gets them through the conflict Carter decides to give Fred what he wants and does, realizes that he enjoys it to, to some degree, too. Not as much as Fred, clearly. Yeah. But to some degree. Really, more than a love scene, this is more like a character development scene for Carter that's sort of framed by BDSM or sort of like this. Yeah. This BDSM scene is like a vehicle for Carter's character development, which I guess is often the case, but usually for people who are more directly involved in the sex. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's this scene is about Carter. I chose this scene because I remembered it as the moment when Carter or Pete decides that he is really cut out for this, or there is something that he's going to get out of this too, besides the money. Uh, It just happens that the sex and the scene itself, uh, the BDSM scene, is happening in the background or or, or is the setting Mm -hmm. for why this is happening. Yeah, so I think think it's a really effective, well-done scene in that sense of it's an arc. You know, we, we, I like to talk about narrative arcs yeah. within our sex scenes. Absolutely. It's a full narrative arc in the scene. So I, I think I give it a, a four quite safely. Uh, authenticity, I give it a one. When I watched this the first time and I didn't know anything about the controversy, I was like, <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, yeah, people like to be humiliated during sex. Like, that's fun. That's this is fine. <laughs> um, but the more that you do hear from the people who are actually involved, the more it's like, oh, yeah, there's a fundamental misunderstanding of like the tenets of BDSM, which is that everything is arranged to the like word choice beforehand. There wouldn't ever be this spontaneous like roasting because <laughs> you say one word that would trigger someone and you've psychologically hurt them quite badly. You know, like it's a fine line in humiliation kink and everything is arranged beforehand. So that's one of the many reasons <laughs> that I find this scene very inauthentic. That makes sense. It it does seem more of a set up for Carter coming into his own uh, identity and confidence as a comedian rather than being about an authentic yes. representation of what BDSM scenes are like. Again, back on that, yes. it's, a, it's a character development scene rather than really a love scene. Um, S-T-A. <laughs> Heat, I, I gave it a two because I feel like someone could, could enjoy it. Like, Fred seems to have a great time. Someone who likes facials, maybe. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. The person who's into a good uh, cum shot. Um, yeah. Otherwise, they did choose a really, really uh, average looking middle-aged man to be mm -hmm. the other half mm -hmm. of this scenario. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's not it's not very hot. But again, it's it's not really meant to be for most people. Right. I think why I gave it a two was because we are seeing that Fred is enjoying himself and we can feel his emotion on, on some sort of sympathetic level, you know? Yeah. And I, I think what, what I like, what makes it funny is not that Pete slash Carter is finding the situation funny or awkward or whatever it is mm -hmm. that makes him laugh that he's, um, genuinely making fun of this guy but it's funny because it becomes a moment of revelation for Pete slash Carter that's that's yes. what makes it funny and that's what makes it yeah uh smarter than it could have been rather you know yeah. if they had just left it at like a teehee at the guy with the fetish you know exactly it's clear that their intentions weren't necessarily to give the kindest most opening welcome to the BDSM scene but they are they're trying to tell a story of this character kind of gaining confidence through his brush with this community. So it's a clever choice. It's very clever. It's very witty. It's it's very it's very smart. It's a smart comedy show. Mm -hmm. You know, even though someone gets uh, a cum shot. <laughs> uh, P production value. Uh, I love it. For you, you would never be able to tell. Well, maybe from the length of the show, you can tell that it was done so quickly. But it really is clear that everyone was working very hard with the time that they had. Mm -hmm. Everyone's doing a great job in this scene. The cinematography, uh, the directing, the acting, uh, the composing. Even like this weird nondescript set that we don't really get a good look of. Like the lighting is beautiful and it works for this purpose of like, you know, a, a strange area for this illicit activity yeah totally agree um and it seems like 
they obviously prioritized quality over quantity again because it is so short. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, they made the conscious choice to use only like the peak quality footage that they got. Yeah. It's just so enjoyable to see and take in with the eyes. It's like it 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 feels like a, a respite. Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful. Um yeah, so I give production value a four. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And uh there we have it. That is my scene, my offering to you is bonding. It's I think you would enjoy it, Kate. That was great. I'm definitely gonna circle back and watch more of it. Yeah. It was it's very fun. Lauren, did we have a super scientific survey about funny sex this week? Yeah, we did. Uh, So we put out a survey to a select group of correspondents uh, asking, what's the funniest thing about sex? Now, we provided a few options, uh, like the noises and sounds, the faces and expressions, the positions you can get up to, (laughs) or the people I do it with. (laughs) We got six responses. <laughs> Ooh, good sample size. I know. 50%, which I think means three, <laughs> uh, answered the people I do it with, which Ooh. I think is very kind because they're saying like, the people I'm with are funny and they make me laugh. Yeah, maybe maybe they've also fucked that guy who just says this is dope while they have sex. <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway uh let's end this fucking train wreck hey train wreck uh so thank you for joining us for this episode of let's get it on film uh we always appreciate hearing from you so you can reach out to Mm -hmm. us where our website is let's get it on film.com you can email us at, mm-hmm. at info at let's get it on film we are on the socials mm-hmm. at let's get it on film um we want to mm-hmm. hear from you tell us what you're watching what you think we should be watching what you want to hear us talk about do you have a good episode theme idea we want to hear it we're not that creative i'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> 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 yeah uh please check out the website um you will find Episodes that go up uh, are accompanied with uh, scenes that we can include. They are definitely not safe for work, so be careful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, follow us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, or on every other fucking thing. But you know, you know where to find podcasts. Uh-huh. We are just just do it where you get your podcasts. Where you get your podcasts. <laughs> Also on Spotify, you can check out our companion piece, the Let's Get It On Film Fuck Jams playlist featuring songs Mm -hmm. from our scenes that we talk about. It will have two new ones, I think, this time. I think you're right. A a nice change of pace. Roy Orbison and Vivaldi try not to get too (laughs) horny, everyone. (laughs) Lovely. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that we say at the end of these? I can't Uh, recall. Keep it pervy. Keep it pervy. From the society he is bent upon destroying. Look at his face. It is the face of a smut monger.